listening to a podcast from The National. Money. Use it smarter, better. Make it last longer, please. How we use our cash has never been more critical. We can't just rely on a frequent and consistent increase in income in the future as we did in previous years. Skills are what you need. So with the summer fast approaching, which I always feel like is the end of the year proper, or at least the time to take stock and renew in this part of the world, let's analyze the current trends in the cost of living and find out how to manage our finances better. You're listening to an episode of the Business Extra podcast coming from the National's Abu Dhabi newsroom. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Very pleased to say also with me in the studio is Alice Hayne, our Personal Finance Editor. Welcome back, Alice. Good to be back, Mustafa. We've been busy today talking to UBS. They put out a new report comparing the cost of living in 77 cities worldwide. Um, they, they told you an interesting few things about the current trends, uh, in particular that Dubai is amongst the most expensive cities for expats to live in. Is that right? Yes, Dubai actually comes in as the third most expensive expat destination in the world. And it's also the most pricey destination in the GCC. So expat families living in Dubai are actually spending $5,857 a month. And if you actually split that up, there's $1,311 going on basic expenses. And there's $4,545 going on expat extras, of which most of that goes on accommodation. If you go to Geneva, on the other hand, there expat families are spending $6,000. 300 approximately on their monthly expenses and in Brussels they come in second at 6,159. So Dubai is the most expensive place to live regionally and the third most expensive place to live for expats in the world. So we make a distinction here, we talk about expats but uh, UBS has done a broader report it's it's looking at cities across the world, comparing them, uh, looking at how far your money goes in each city. Uh, This particular index you're talking about actually focuses on uh, expats and where they live around the world, if they're living somewhere that isn't their actual home. Is that right? That that specific data is is a breakout of the report. Yes. So that that data just focused on 13 cities, whereas the broader index focused on 77. So they just purely for that, where Dubai comes out as number three, it's purely looking at 13 expat locations around the world. Because in the in the index of 77, it's actually in the 30s, uh, it comes in, it's still the most expensive on the index out of the region. That doesn't change, um, even when you look at it as cities overall. Um, and uh, what's interesting is that New York is the benchmark. So actually, some of the, some cities in the region, like Manama, like Riyadh, uh, are, are less expensive to live in because by comparison with New York, their rent is a lot cheaper. While it seems Dubai, uh, a representative of the UAE, um, relatively speaking, is is not that much cheaper in terms of rent compared to New York. And they actually, I like the way they do it um, in the bigger index. They, UBS has showed you uh, how expensive it is, not including rent as well, which can often be, you know, that or housing accommodation, let's say, rather than just specifically rent. The, the cost of accommodation can be obviously the biggest thing that you're spending on. But it also goes to show that um, places like Manama and Riyadh uh, become less expensive, comparatively speaking, when you include the rent. But actually, not including the housing cost, it's not that much cheaper than it is if you relatively, if I'm not confusing you, relatively speaking, if you throw in the housing, which even UBS says is counterintuitive. But if your benchmark is New York cost of living in terms of accommodation, then that comes into play. While I guess other items like iPhones 
or gadgets or Netflix services or whatever it is might be a bit more homogenized across the world? They've actually gone down to specifics. And uh, one interesting area is that, for example, uh, if you buy a coffee in Dubai, you're going to spend $5.70. And they're actually the most expensive place in the world to buy a coffee uh, compared to, let's say, South Africa, where it's $1.49. But other products are coming in much more reasonable. So, as you say, an iPhone is is coming in around $1,200, whereas in other locations... Uh, like Argentina, for example, it's $2,240. So you can see going right down to specifics how countries vary and how they move around. What's also interesting about the study is that it also, as well as the earnings and the wages, they, they compare the two in their purchasing power index. And on that, you can see Dubai kind of suddenly shoots up the rankings. And that's as well as well as Manama and Riyadh. And that's where it becomes interesting, because why, if it's so expensive, why is it then that if you're living in Dubai and it's an expensive place to live, why does your money go further? And why is that? Well, according to um, uh, UBS, it's because we're not paying any tax here in, in the UAE. We're not paying any income tax specifically or making any social security contributions. Yes, we pay VAT, but it's a, it's a low rate. So because we don't have that heavy burden of tax, I mean, certain European cities, sometimes they can see almost half their income disappear in tax. So we're not paying that. So that means our incomes actually go further. So from UBS, Daniel Kalt, who's their chief economist and chief investment officer for Switzerland um, at the Global Wealth Management Unit, um, he spoke to you and other other media and uh, he gives some idea of of exactly the concept that you've just been talking about about how a low taxation environment actually boosts your purchasing power cities in the region make a pretty steep jump up the rankings because uh, obviously um, income taxes uh, social security contributions and so forth are much lower compared to many developed economy, I mean developed or industrial economy uh, cities. Um, so that means that, uh, especially if you look at net hourly wages, these cities uh, we're talking about here are, are making big, big moves up in the rankings. Uh, again, because we have, we see relatively small or little, uh, tiny, not tiny, but relatively small uh, tax and social security deductions, which may be very, very high for some of the, of the European cities, for instance. If you look at some of the European cities, such as um, if you go to Belgium or France, or, or you see that the wages are basically uh, cut in half, more, more or less, not, 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 not more or less, uh, uh, if, if you look at them on a net basis. And that, of course leads to uh, countries or cities with, with, with low social security contribution and income tax to, to really make a big move up in, in, in the ranking. Uh, the price level, of course, not. Uh, if you look just at the, at the price level ranking, you see that yeah, Dubai, okay. Dubai, then, then we, don't, we don't look at... I mean, we look at the, at the, at the net price for consumers. So, of course, uh, VIT and so forth is, is in there. Oh, and of course, this may help to, to explain why Dubai is perhaps not that high. Uh, if you compare Dubai to other countries, uh, again, European uh, cities where you have a 20% or a 24 
And then, of course, that also makes makes a certain difference. Uh, Dubai is is 73% of New York. That's around. That's about where Madrid is, or Hong Kong, uh, or or Barcelona. So that's this region. Maybe that the tax levels again here also play play some uh, role. Again, we're looking at really the, the, the prices that consumers pay, including all taxes and, and, and extras. That was Daniel Kalt from uh, UBS that put out this report on comparing the expense in cities around the world. Um, Alice Hain is with me. Um, we're talking about you know the cost of living, how to manage our finances. So this report's quite interesting, as we heard just there, um, about the, the, the tax environment being a great, leveler in terms of um, moving Dubai and other cities in the region, uh, lower down the the index in terms of of cost of living um, for these global destinations. Uh, But the methodology itself, um, you would think with UBS being, you know, a wealth management specialist, they might have focused on just the rich, right? But that's not the case here. They've really drilled down uh, in terms of how they put together the data. Yes, that's right. You'd assume that UBS would focus purely on sort of high-end um, goods and services, and again on on professionals, but they actually they wanted it to be a really really average measure. So, for example, in terms of the the locations they visited, they didn't go to the top end grocery stores. They went for the average mid level stores, so they could get a sort of clear barometer of of the middle level. And again, with the professions, they didn't just look at CEOs and managers. They looked at construction workers, they looked at bus drivers, nurses, sales assistants, but also doctors. So they really wanted to get a, an average idea of what people earned here and how people spent here. So the, the the point about taxes, it's, it's critical right now because we've had so many changes in the UAE over the last few years in the region. I mean, we, we can't underestimate the impact of, of having the VAT um, when previously we had no kinds of no kind of you know consumer tax regime, um, and and it can feel that you know consumers, all consumers, expats, Emiratis, you name it, um, uh, in this part of the world have been hit with you know increases in 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 their prices but the data here is showing that actually because it's a relatively benign tax environment compared to other parts of the world that the prices actually hold up and and it, they it, it means that it's not actually uh, that well, expensive but actually really the the phrase is that your money does go further in Dubai and the UAE and other cities in this region than it does in places like Geneva or New York or elsewhere. It really does. And that's, you know, when VAT came in, everyone was very upset and talking about that 5%. But you have to look at other countries around the world, you know, VAT can be really, really high. I mean, in the UK, for example, it sits around the 20% mark. So we are only paying 5%. And on top of that, we're not paying any income tax. We're not making any social security contributions. So we're only paying a very small amount of tax. And that means that your income comes in and yes you you lose a little bit through the goods and services that you pay for because you're paying a little bit more in tax your money is yours and how you allocate it and how you spend it is up to you how we spend it how we save it um all these questions we're going to come to um a little bit later on but just while while we we wrap up on 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 this bit of research that ubs has given us 
you cover personal finance um, day in, day out, Alice, for The National. Um, you've been covering it for years. You've been looking at things. Did the, did the report surprise you? Did the results personally you make you think think again about the kind of environment we're in? Well, at the moment, there's a lot of studies coming out saying that we're all being squeezed by rises in the cost of living. Um, Abu Dhabi Islamic Bank released one recently saying that we're better at managing our money, but we're struggling to save and we're struggling to stay on top of our debts. So that kind of indicates that people aren't managing their money properly because they're actually allocating too much to the wrong things. But but basically, the, the kind of overall theme at the moment is that we're struggling. We're not, um, as residents in the UAE, our incomes are not enough to kind of meet the outgoings that we have. And there's this general theme of it's a big squeeze and it's all very hard and how are we going to pay the bills? And so this study slightly contradicts it. It makes you look at it on a global perspective. It makes you realise that, okay, things are a little bit hard here, but compare yourself to London or compare yourself to Brussels or to Geneva or to Zurich. And suddenly you've got much higher levels of taxation. It's probably much more expensive and your money's just not going to go as far. And so it, it, it indicates really that Dubai is, is not such an expensive place as people often assume. More Business Extra in just a moment, but first allow me to tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. An extra time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or find us as always at thenational.ae. This is the Business Extra podcast. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. With me is Alice Hain. We're looking at the cost of living, how to manage our finances and what to do over this uh, big, long summer break. Personally, I take this as a time to renew, take stock. Some of the Big expenditures are out the way. My annual airline ticket's paid. A lot of the renewals on the visas are paid. Whatever needs to be done. And I, I'm looking forward to actually a period of maybe slightly, with the exception of wherever we choose to go on holiday, um, which, Alice, I'm sure you'll tell me isn't an insignificant expense. But the day-to-day -day living costs tend to, I think, subside over the coming few months. Well, it depends on how you manage your budget. If, if as you've been lucky enough, you've already paid your visas and um, you've kind of got your big checks out the way, then great. But my rental check falls in July, so I've got to make sure that the money's there to pay for that. And, and so it just depends on when your costs fall through the year and different people have different outlays at different times. But the next education bill that most people have to pay will come in in September. So, yes, in theory, there's a, there's a little bit of a relaxation period. And... In terms of m managing finances, we were talking a bit earlier about um, the being squeezed and, and maybe people aren't allocating their money in the right ways. I mean, there is sort of these standard things you should do, build an emergency fund, uh, save for the future, always pay yourself first, all these kind of things. I, it feels like at the moment, because in general, um, maybe packages aren't as good as they were. Maybe things are a little bit more expensive in general. Um, again, as we talked from a global picture, perhaps everywhere is more expensive, but we can't rely on the old uh, uh, thing where we expected a pay rise or a significant pay rise every year or a bonus every year because of the way the economy has been, where oil prices have been. So it really comes down to how we choose to, to manage our own finances. Um, but I feel like we need a new paradigm. I think the old tropes of how to do things don't quite work when you just seem to have very, very little spare cash at the end of the month. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, when I first moved here in 2005, 
I think it was a very aspirational society. It was all about the next car you were going to buy, the next villa you were going to upgrade to, and everybody wanted the next big thing, the next big purchase. And there was a lot of status associated to what you drove or where you lived or, you know, the bling that you had on your wrist or around your neck. And I ha- that has changed. And I think what we've evolved into is a, a society that's a little bit more realistic. Suddenly realize, people are realising there isn't that spare cash. They aren't going to be able to upgrade their villa. They're going to have to stay in the same place. They may even have to downgrade. They may not be able to get that next car. In actual fact, it's more sensible to buy a car and hold on to it, pay it off, and then you don't have the finance charges over the long term. And if you keep servicing and you look after it, it's going to keep running. And, and that's a cost you don't have to keep paying out for. So I think people need to change how they spend here and particularly how they allocate their income. It's all about balancing. You know, I always say with personal finance, it's a bit like going on a diet, um, but it's got to be a sustainable diet. If you want to have a healthy balance in your bank account, you need to have a sustainable approach towards your money management. And that means you've got to adopt a philosophy that lets you stay on top of all those bills, have the odd luxury here and there, but still be able to keep afloat long term. And it's just about that kind of long term measured approach, rather than splashing out every second that you feel like it on the latest thing. And also not to restrict too much. Because that in itself can have negative consequences if you aren't letting yourself have that little luxury or allowing yourself to have a certain quality of living because you you can oversave ultimately if we're thinking about sustainable way of living. Absolutely. You don't want to kind of go cold turkey and say, right, well, I'm going to save 10,000 dirhams this month and not spend anything and live off beans. It, it's not realistic. You know, if there's nothing, if there's no joy in life, you know, we all get pleasure from spending. And... Uh, and it's, a, it's about finding that balance. So if you live a measured life most of the time, then that means that you can still enjoy those luxuries. So, for example, I, I have a pretty st- simple budget and I stick to it. But when it comes to holidays, I do like to spend that little bit more. And I'm a bit more relaxed because I feel like you've worked very hard. And this is the time when you don't want to be worrying about money. So whatever your luxury is, everyone's got a different luxury. For some people, it's a designer handbag. For other people, it's... Um, a fancy car. I have two luxuries in life. One is a nice little travel experience. And the other one is I need a bit of domestic help at home and I pay for that. That's my luxury. And so for this summer, for those of you who are going away, I mean, obviously many people can can get away from uh, the the, the heat, uh, possibly for a little while, maybe the family goes for longer. Um, But you know, there are good tips and things to do uh, when you're away. For example, you should be aware of uh, the fees that come along with uh, any kind of foreign currency transaction on a card. And this applies to uh, whether you're using a debit card out of the country, a credit card, or using the ATM. And there are costs associated with every single transaction on top of what you might be paying in terms of the actual currency exchange itself. And then we always have this debate this time of year when, when we go to a different country and then the, the retailer or the person at the cash cash point says, um, do you want to pay in local currency or in your home currency? Now, my feeling is always pay in the local currency. That's my feeling. Don't take the exchange rate at that moment in the shop. That's not strictly correct, actually, Mustafa, because if you pay in dirhams, you're doing so at the merchant's own exchange rate. So, yes, that might not be very competitive. However, the foreign currency processing fee, which is about 2 to 4%, should be waived 
because you're now paying in dirhams. So it's a quite a complicated process, but basically it's better for travellers to convert their expense into their home currency of dirhams if they're using a dirham credit card. Um, and you should do that at the point of purchase overseas. But also you've got to remember that merchant conversion rates are very unfavourable. So it still means that travellers should be aware of any expenses that they have, that they will incur on those purchases, just to make sure they're not getting any surprises when they're out there. I never get it right. Um, and um, it, it seems to me like either way, you're, you're, you're paying a lot to use your credit card, you know, outside of the country. But, you know, there's also difficulty with uh, carrying around a lot of cash Particularly because you can, if you are making big purchases outside the country, you can get your VAT back, which is sometimes means that ultimately you're not paying that much. But then say you get 11% back in VAT in, in the UK, for example, once net of all kinds of transaction costs, 11, 12%. If you have paid up by credit card and then you're having to take off, say, 2 to 3%, off that, the saving isn't that big in the end. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is cash is king and will always be. Well, one one way I try and get around all of this, because yes, you can reclaim your VAT, VAT but you know who wants to queue up at the airport? I, it's something I've never wanted to do, but I realise I'm probably losing out by not doing it. But also think about if you're an expat, think about your home country as well. And wherever you're traveling to, it's also wise to compare the currencies. So if let's say you're in the Maldives, look at the Maldives compared to the UAE or look at the Maldives compared to the UK. And then you can decide which one's actually going to get you the best deal. And then if you've got bank cards in your home country, then use that bank card rather than the the dirham one. So just sort of assess all the different options that you can have. But cash is great, but you've still got to exchange that. So you and you can only carry a certain amount with you um, when you travel. So depending on how how big you want to spend when you're overseas, uh, there's a risk factor to that because you can only carry so much and you don't really want to be carrying around wads of cash. So you've got to do the approach that works for you. Um, there are other ways of doing it. You can buy credit cards, which you can load up with different currencies. So that exchange rate is done at the point that you've bought the credit card. And that can be done here in the UAE. And you can use those credit cards and those currencies in the countries that you're at. And that kind of saves a lot of these transactions and processing fees and exchange rates because you've already done it. Alice Hain, Personal Finance Editor at The National. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Uh, so you've been listening to an episode of the Business Extra podcast. We're looking at the cost of living, how to manage our finances better, a few tips for handling your money while you're on your holiday. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Please do join us again. And thanks for listening.